good to see you all. Um, it's good to be back. We had a good trip. We went out to Oregon for a couple days. It's good to get away. Thanks to everybody that helped make this possible. And this morning we'll be joined by Bruce Hollister. He's come to visit from Joliet to bring the word this morning. So we're glad to have him here. And a reminder, there'll be a fellowship brunch, lunch, brunch after in the um, the hall down there. So, but um, more than all that, just thankful to be back here and worship with you all, and just reminded of all the craziness that's going on. Why we come here to worship the Lord, to um, pray, to sing, to confess our sins, confess our faith. Uh, to hear the word, to be washed in the word, and it's a good reminder. So if you want to stand with me this morning, we'll begin with the call to worship, um, taken from the great psalm, Psalm 95. I'll read the bold section if you'll follow along after me with the non-bold. O come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise. For the Lord is a great God and a great King above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and his hands formed the dry land. Overcome, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord. Amen. If you want to remain standing and turn to hymn number three, we'll sing a great hymn, Holy, Holy, Holy.
and are tempted to deceive ourselves and sweep it under the rug. But as we come now to worship you on this Lord's Day, show us the greatness of our sin and weakness and our great need for a Savior. Our flesh and our hearts may fail, but you are our strength and portion forever. Forgive us, Lord, through the work of Christ and by the power of your Holy Spirit. Help us to put our hope in you. Amen. Amen. If you want to turn to him, 209 will sing, There is a fountain filled with blood.
Isaiah sees the holiness and glory of God, and he's, his only response is to fall down. We get these words of great comfort as the passage continues in Isaiah 6. It says this, Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that he had taken with tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. And we see here this picture of Christ's atoning work that even though you and I are people of unclean lips and we dwell amongst the people of unclean lips, that God has made a way through the atoning work of Christ that we might have assurance of our pardon and our, and our guilt being cleansed this morning. And so we see here in this passage, passage that for those that come that, are, that see a clear vision of their sin and confess it before God that he is quick to forgive, he is a God of great mercy, and we have great assurance this morning that for those that come, that there's no price, there's no, there's no entry fee, that as we read in, um, later in Isaiah 55, that those that come to the waters can drink without money and without price. So, would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we thank you for, for your mercy and your grace, Lord. We, like Isaiah, if we're honest with ourselves, if, we're, if we truly see how messed up we are, we see how unworthy we are to come before you, even now in worship. That we don't deserve to come before you in and of ourselves. And that's a humbling thing, Lord, because we're proud, we're arrogant. But Lord, would you humble us this morning? Would you help us to see our great need? And would we, like Isaiah, fall down before you and say, woe is me. But would we also see the greatness of your mercy in the person and work of Christ that you've come to make atonement for our sin that we who are far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ that we who are not your people are your people because we've been adopted into your family as sons and daughters because of the work of Christ the second and better Adam and this morning would you comfort us with your gospel, with your word, by your spirit. And we, would we be reminded that for those of us that are weak in our, in our consciences and we feel that we're unable to be saved because of what we've done, that we would be assured this morning that for all those that come to Christ, there is adequate salvation. There is overflowing rivers of living water that can truly satisfy. And may we come this morning and drink. We pray for your church, Lord. We pray for those around the world gathered together this morning to worship you, for those that are being persecuted in other countries, for those that um, are unable to meet together. We just pray that you would build up your church, that you would encourage your body, and that the saints that are meeting all over the world, and as we sang this morning, thy precious blood, shall never lose its power shall all the ransomed church of God be saved to sin no more. That your church all over the earth, Lord, is hearing the gospel this morning, is meeting together on this day of worship, and we pray that we would join together in their song, singing, Holy, Holy, Holy is your name, 
and that we would be comforted this morning knowing that we're not alone, that people all over the globe are gathering together to worship you. And so we pray for your church this morning around the world. We pray for your church locally, that the gospel would go out to the city here in Decatur, that people would hear the good news of Christ, that we would be a light um, in this public proclamation of the gospel, and that people would hear the truth of Christ, they would be convicted of their sin and assured of their pardon because of the work of Christ alone. Lord, be with us this morning. Be with Bruce as he brings your word. Would you equip him and and, uh, strengthen him this morning? And would you ready our ears, Lord, to hear about the power and presence of Christ and that in everything that we do, would be honor and praise to you, Lord. We pray these things in your son's name. So another thing that we do each week, we don't really confess our sins, but we confess our faith, which those words, are, you know, it's kind of confusing. Maybe if you confess our sins, confess our faith, it's, we're doing something different. We're confessing truths about the faith, and this truth that we're confessing this morning has been around for 1,800 years. This is the Apostles' Creed. This is the great statement, really, that all Orthodox Christians Um, should believe that, and we get to confess that this morning, joining in with all the saints throughout all time and all ages, confessing these great truths of the scripture. So would you read with me the Apostles' Creed? I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He ascended to the dead. On the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. You guys can be seated this morning. just want to welcome up uh, Bruce Hollister this morning. He's come, driven all the way from Joliet to come and bring the word this morning. So um, this is Bruce. Great to be
I'll do my best here. All right. Well, really great to be with you this morning uh, on this Lord's Day. It's been several months since I was here last, and a great privilege to uh, to preach the Word. And we look to the Lord to uh, to work in us. I'm thrilled this morning to uh, hear that passage from Isaiah 6. I, of course, we all love that passage, don't we? And it's very, uh, always very striking to me that uh, the seraphim come with a coal and they touch the lips of Isaiah and he's purified, burning coal, no pain. No pain because Jesus bore all of the pain for the cleansing of his sin. It's a beautiful thing. We come, we enjoy the forgiveness of our sins and there's no pain for us. Uh, there's no hell, there's no judgment for us because Jesus Christ suffered hell in our stead, and we rejoice in that today. We need to hear that. We'll see from our passage this morning. We really need to hear that again and again and again every Lord's day of our lives. And we see it here in a wonderful way in John chapter 20. So we're going to read John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. And of course, the context here is uh, the resurrection. The Lord has been raised, and he comes to his disciples and it is the first day of the week in the evening. And so much to learn from this. John chapter 20, beginning at verse 19. This is the word of the Lord. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord Jesus. When they saw the Lord, Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. God's word. Let's pray again together. Father, help us now, we pray, to receive this your word. How we thank you that we gather together in, the, in your presence. We thank you that wherever your people meet, there your throne touches the earth. And so this morning, we thank you that this is an extraordinary thing, extraordinary gathering. And we look to you to give us eyes of faith to see that. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, brothers and sisters, every believer should, uh, should thrill at what we see in this account. We see our resurrected Lord described to us here, don't we, in this section. So we see the resurrection of our Savior, and we should, uh, we should thrill at that. We see the Savior is raised. We see the revelation of that. Our, our Lord Jesus is described here. He's revealed to us. Uh, but we should also be thrilled at what we see him doing here. How he showed himself. And how he ministered to his own on this, the first day of the week. The first Lord's Day in the history of the world. Why should we be thrilled? Well, because the same way in which he ministered to his own on this first Lord's Day, so long ago, the way we see it described in this inspired account. In that same way, he continues to minister to his people 
every Lord's Day, first day of the week, to the end of the world. This is why we gather on the first day of the week. We remember, don't we? Every Lord's Day, we remember our Savior raised. And we are given to understand that on this day, especially, uniquely, our Savior ministers to us. He really does. And he does this in a way that we don't quite experience in the same way, certainly, in a, say, in our personal devotions. This is unique. First day of the week, gathering of the saints, something very unique takes place. As I said a few moments ago, uh, I don't know if I quoted the hymn at that point. <laughs> Jesus, where'er your people meet, there they behold your mercy seat. With eyes of faith, you see it again. Throne of God touches the earth here. There's that sense in which this is, and wherever the people of God meet, in truth. Brothers and sisters, this is the center of the universe. It's here. Because the throne of God touches the earth here. So we thrill this morning properly if we see what the Savior's doing here, because this is what he does. He ministers to us, he ministers to his people. So we see this in two parts this morning. Of course, you always, as a preacher, you always have two parts or three parts, right? <laughs> two parts this morning, there'll probably be more than two parts, but basically two parts. What do we see Jesus doing here? First, he ministers peace and assurance. He ministers peace and assurance. Secondly, he empowers his people in their service to him. Now, very important, we understand, only Jesus can do this. Only Jesus can do this, this morning. Only he can minister peace to your heart or my heart. And only Jesus Christ can empower us for service. And we desperately need this. The Lord knows how much we need this. We, know, we don't know it as well. The Lord knows how much we need this. That's why he calls us to worship in every board study. He knows how much we need this. And he meets us. So first, he ministers peace and assurance, and secondly, he empowers his people in their service. So first, he ministers peace and assurance. And we see this in three parts. See, I get the three parts in anyway. He, we see it in three parts. Uh, he comes to them first. Secondly, he greets them with words of peace. And thirdly, he addresses their fears and their misapprehensions. He comes to them, he greets them with words of peace, he addresses their fears and their misapprehensions. Now he comes to them, and it is the first day of the week, we say this is a pattern, we're given a pattern here, for all time to the end of the age. Yes, there is ushered in here, of course, a change of the day in worship, up to that point it was the seventh day. And there's this great change in the history of the world, or you could say in the history of redemption at this point. Because before that time, the people of God worshipped on the seventh day, and now, we can say, and there are a lot of arguments for this, of course, but we can say now, appropriately, appropriately, the day has changed. The day of worship has changed, and it's changed to the end of the world. 
It's appropriate because the Messiah has come into the world. He's fulfilled the great work of redemption. So this day marks out how you look to the end of the age now. It's the first day of the week. It's the first day of the week to the end of the world. So yes, ushered in here a change of the day. And why? Again, because, yes, Jesus was raised on this day. Now that's enough to rejoice in, actually, isn't it? I mean, Jesus was raised. My Savior is alive. He's exalted to the right hand of God. And the risen, exalted Christ is with his church to the end of the age. Now, if we really got that, or to the degree we really get that, you know, we, we go skipping out of here, you know. This is wonderful what God has done. But again, we say, this is why we need to hear it every Lord's Day. This is why we need to be reminded of it every Lord's Day. Jesus was raised on this day. And so we worship on this day. But also, of course, noteworthy, Jesus appeared to his disciples on the first day of the week. There's a pattern here. Jesus appeared to his disciples on the first day of the week. And beyond that, of course, Jesus ministered. Jesus personally ministered to his disciples on this, the first day of the week. He ministered in resurrection power on this day. Now, the disciples, we know, uh, we're told here in the text, they are meeting privately for fear of the Jews. Doors were shut. They're afraid. There's still a lot of confusion. We also know from Luke's Gospel that there was, the room was rather a buzz here. There's a lot going on. Now, the disciples had been discussing various appearances of the Lord Jesus Christ. The Lord had appeared to Mary Magdalene. He had, we know from the Gospel of Luke, appeared to Simon Peter by this point. We know, too, that, of course, that he had appeared to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, those two disciples. And we're told there in that text that he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. It's a wonderful account there, isn't it? They didn't know who he was until the breaking of the bread. And then it was given to them to see, to understand who it was who was with them. And he vanished from their sight. And they said, uh, you remember, they say there, uh, did not our hearts burn within us while he spoke to us? They didn't even know at that point who he was. But their hearts were burning within them as he ministered the word of God to them. And he vanished from their sight. So the room is a buzz. But there's still much uncertainty and fear and confusion. Now, again, we can sometimes say, what's wrong with these guys, you know? I mean, don't they get it? Answer, they don't get it entirely. They don't. What's their problem? I mean, their problem is the same as our problem. What's their problem? Their basic problem. Their basic problem is unbelief. Now, when I say that, or when we say that, of course, we don't mean they didn't, they didn't have saving faith. They have saving faith. But this is at the root of all of our problems, is it not? Our lack of faith. Today, this is, this is one of the reasons we're here, right, in terms of our need. We need our faith to be increased again. We need to grow in faith. 
And this is the perfect day for that. You're in the right place. And you're listening to the right thing just now, which is the Word of God. Their basic problem is unbelief. Think again of uh, what the Lord said to those disciples on the road to Emmaus. Uh, he said, O foolish ones, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe in all that the prophet has spoken. Slow of heart to believe. That's their problem. That's my problem. I'm slow of heart to believe the word of God. I'm slow of heart to believe it's every declaration as true. Jesus told them he's going to be raised. Again, we can step back and start saying, what's wrong with these guys, you know? Ah, well, what's wrong with them is the same thing that's wrong with us. What's wrong with them in that, on that evening or in that day is the same thing that's wrong with all of us this morning. It's a very similar thing. I need my faith to be increased. And maybe it's important, to, again, to put it this way just now. I need, and you need this morning, what they need. They need for Jesus Christ to come to them and minister to them. That's what they need. And that's the only solution. There's no other solution in the whole world, right? I mean, if they could go out, you know, and see their psychotherapist, you know, or they could do any number of other things, and that would not address the basic need that they have, and it would not address our basic need. Here's our basic need. I need this morning, you need this morning, for Jesus to come to you, which he is doing in this worship, to come to you and do what only he can do. And I hope you're in that place this morning, where you've already been crying from your heart in, in, in words like this. You're already crying from your heart. Lord, you are the only one. You're the only one. You know the depth of my need. You know the depth of my sin. You know how weak my faith is. And you alone can do in me what needs to be done. Brothers and sisters, we have no other hope. Our hope is not in each other. Your hope certainly can't, it's not in me. Our hope is in the risen Christ who really does need his people every Lord's day to the end of the world. That's why we're here. And if you look, if, and, and it always does. It looks very ordinary, doesn't it? I mean, for crying out loud, the PA system would be no good. I mean, and we're, and, we're very and we're very ordinary people. You know what? We're always ordinary. And we're always needy. We just need to see it more clearly. And, it, and we're taught in that to look to the Lord Jesus Christ for what only he can do in us. So Jesus comes. We're told he stands in their midst. What's the first thing that he says? Very striking. First thing he says. Jesus came, stood among them, and said to them, Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Now you can be sure these words, the salutation was conveyed with spiritual power. So oftentimes in our worship, right? You have the apostolic salutation, right? Peace be with you. 
peace to you. This Jesus speaks here. And we say he speaks it no doubt with power. And so he begins to minister to his disciples. Why is it significant? Again, it's significant because you see a pattern here. You see a pattern of how Jesus ministers to his own. He speaks peace. Now, what does he do next? He addresses their fears and their misapprehensions. I don't suppose there's anybody here this morning with fears or misapprehensions. We are so much like the disciples. Every Lord's Day, we're like these disciples. Jesus, we say, addresses their fears and misapprehensions. And notice how he does it. Read verse 20 again. Look at that. When he had said this, peace be with you, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. How does he address their fears and their misapprehensions? He does it by the revelation of himself. He makes it clear that it is indeed he he comes to them in flesh and blood. And he graciously gives assurances concerning the reality of his resurrection. He shows them his hands and his side. He shows them, in other words, he shows them the unmistakable marks on his body. So, you know, we say, how, how are they helped to know that it's the Lord? How does he reveal himself to them? It's by the emblems of his suffering that he reveals himself to them. He showed them his hands and his side. The emblems of his suffering, the emblems of his death, the emblems of his victory over sin, the proofs of his great love for them. Uh, the proofs, these are the proofs of his atoning sacrifice. He really died for them. And he's raised. He really suffered in their stead. And he's alive. So he shows to them the emblems of his suffering, the emblems of his death. We say the emblems of his great love for them. And I love how the scripture puts it here. Uh, the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. It seems like a, you know, it almost seems like an understatement, doesn't it? <laughs> but they're glad. How are they gladdened? They're gladdened by the revelation of himself. That's how they're made glad. They understand something more, at least you could say. They understand something more of who he is and what he's done and what he's done for them. So their fears and their misapprehensions are changed to gladness. Now again, that's a pattern every Lord's Day. We come in every Lord's Day to the worship. All of us, every Lord's Day, have all kinds of baggage, yes? We come in uncertain. We come in, no doubt, with fears. We come in weak in faith. We go out, as Jesus meets us, we go out glad. Glad, why? I mean, why do we go out glad? 
God led because Jesus Christ, the risen Christ, has revealed himself to us in fuller measure. And that's the only thing that can really make us truly glad. <laughs> it's Jesus showing himself to us, and, we, and our faith is strengthened by this. So we see that here, don't we? So we gather in Jesus' name today. And what does Jesus do? He comes to us. He shows himself to us. How? How's he doing? Not, not, by, a, not, not by physical vision, you know, we don't fall down in trances, right? How does he do this? We walk by faith, don't we? We worship in faith. And so we see something of the invisible world by faith. We see it more clearly. Jesus comes to us, he comes to his own, especially on this day, and he shows himself to us. And he does it by the preaching of the word and by the administration of the sacrament. Now it all looks so plain, doesn't it? It's a book. But there's no book like this in all the world. And when the one Christ is appointed to stand and declare it, when that takes place, Jesus Christ himself speaks. That's what he's doing. Right now, it's a marvelous thing, isn't it? Because you know, I mean, you know I'm, a pretty plain, I'm a plain guy. And I have the same needs that you have. So it's pretty marvelous that the Lord works in us, weak as we are, frail as we are. Yes? So it's very plain. Here we are. And we have this feast. We call it a feast, don't we? And the kids might say, that's a feast. <laughs> you know, you got this little bit of something that you're going to take and eat, and this little cup of wine that you're going to drink. This is a feast. Yes, it's a feast. Why? Because Jesus Christ has appointed it, and he's really here. And when we partake by faith, we really are nourished spiritually. We really are sanctified. Jesus Christ makes it so. And he can do anything. <laughs> but we have to see, we have to see, don't we, these principles of the inv invisible world, these principles of his kingdom. That's why we're here. Now some people would say, well, why, why do you guys do this every Sunday? I mean, you could be doing so many other things. You'd be going to, to Benny's Grill. Or, what was that we went to last week? <laughs> You could be doing, you know, you could go to the stock car races, whatever you do on Sunday. People are doing all kinds of things on Sunday, right? Why do you do this every Lord's Day? Well, we know why, don't we? And we're reminded of it again today. We do this because Jesus Christ himself meets with us here. Anybody want to see Jesus? Now, see, we could put that up. You don't have a marquee, but, you know, you could put that on the marquee. Jesus Christ here today speaking. How many, if people really got that, and of course they do get it uniquely in times of revival in particular, if they really got that, the churches would be flooded. And they would not be satisfied, the people of God would not be satisfied with mere entertainment. And they would want more than just stories from some clever speaker, right? 
and they want more than an eight, what's it supposed to be, 18 minute video presentation, whatever that, whatever it's supposed to be, you know, if you're really effective as a speaker now. Yeah, I should have a black t-shirt on. And I, should have, I should have a microphone on at some point. And I should be really buff, you know. You know. Isn't that what communicates to people? Well, it communicates something. But we have something so much better. In fact, that's such an understatement. Jesus Christ really speaks to his people on this day. He ministers to his own. So the means, we call these the means of grace, right? Preaching of the word, the sacraments, and prayer. Those are the three means of grace. And these are the three means, what we mean by that is, <laughs> these are the means that the risen, exalted Christ uses to show himself to his people. And he doesn't use any other means in the whole world. This is what he does. It's wonderful, it's a wonderful encouragement we have when we get that, isn't it? So we see it here. Jesus addresses their fears and their misapprehensions. He addresses my fears and misapprehensions today. I need this. He addresses your fears and misapprehensions. And he's the only one in the universe who can do this. And he does it. By the preaching of the word, the administration of the sacrament, as we lift our hearts in prayer to him, the spirit of Christ is working in us, and this is what he does. The world doesn't get this at all. So we said, you know, a moment ago, the world, the world, is not, the world can never understand why we do this. Why would you come and really now listen to the same message? every week of your life. Why would you do this? Answer, because Jesus Christ is. That's why. And where he is, this changes everything. Now Jesus secondly does what only he can do. What does he do here? He empowers for service. He empowers for service. Anyone here need power in their service to Christ? Anybody here need power in loving your neighbor? Only Jesus does this. He's the only one who can do it. We see it here. Notice first, he began here. I said, I just, he does this in three parts, really. So I got my three parts. <laughs> he ministers peace. He commissions, and yes, he empowers. So really, the third point is the same as the main point. But he, uh, he ministers peace. Notice this. Uh, again, a, a powerful ministration of peace. Double emphasis here. Jesus said to them again, peace to you. Well, didn't he already say this? Why would he say something twice? Well, he says things, he says things twice. <laughs> Because I need to hear it again. He ministers peace. He ministers peace twice. And he ministers peace twice because I need peace ministered to my heart. 
maybe it's, maybe perhaps we could argue from the passage, this is my greatest need on any board step. Have peace ministered to me. Power of administration, peace. And I need this very much. We need to think here particularly of ministering, administration of the gospel. We said already, Jesus has revealed himself by the emblems of his suffering and death here. And he's ministering peace as he does this. So, so because shalom, peace to you, he's saying, peace to you. And he's ministering that peace to their hearts. And how is it that that peace is ministered to their hearts? He's ministering the gospel truth, really. What is it again? He shows them the emblems of his suffering and his death. He's showing them the emblems of his triumph over, over sin and death. He's showing them the emblems of his love. Showing them again the emblems of the Father's love for them. And you could, in shorthand, or it could be summarized like this. Peace to you. In other words, he died in their place. He really has triumphed over sin and death and suffering. All of God's favor rests upon them. That's the idea of peace here. All of God's favor rests upon them. All of their sins. All of your sins, brothers and sisters, have been purged away. Now again, if we could just get that. It's so simple, isn't it? It's so simple. But I need to hear it every Lord's Day. So double emphasis, I think we can argue the reason for the double, double emphasis is when you and I come into the place of worship on any given Lord's Day, the thing I need to be assured of, perhaps more than anything else in the world, is that all is well. Jesus says to us in the power of the Spirit, I really love you. I've really done everything for you. You don't have to do anything else. All of your sin really is purged away. All is well. All, all is really, really well. It's better than you could dream. Hey, if all of your sins are purged away, Things are already better than we ever could have imagined. If we could just stay, right? But again, I think the double emphasis is because we need it. And so through our worship and through the, through the, through the liturgy, right, you see this threaded through the whole liturgy where there's, proper, where there's a good liturgy, right? There's a good liturgy here. You see it threaded through the whole liturgy. It's the gospel that's threaded through everything you're doing. So you have confession and sin. Call to worship, right? Uh, uh, confession of sin, assurance of pardon, lifting your hearts and praise God, singing about the fact that Jesus has done everything for us. And our hearts are ministered to by that, aren't they? Interestingly, in some charismatic circles, I mean, just as an example, in some charismatic circles, because the preaching is so weak, usually, because it's so weak, the people really gravitate to the songs. They sing a lot. And it's understandable. Why do they do this? 
They sing a lot because in the songs you get the indicative of the gospel. Jesus has done everything for us. Okay, maybe you're not getting the preaching, all right? But you're getting this in your singing. Jesus paid it all, right? Hey, that's refreshing. Jesus, you mean there's nothing I have to do? Correct. Yes, and all to him I, know, I owe. Sin had left the crimson stain. Oh, but he's washed it white as snow. So you get the indicative, and when you get the indicative of the gospel, what God has done for us, you're ready for the imperative. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. But man, I gotta hear this. Peace be you. That's what I need to hear. Today, this is what you need to hear, this is what I need to hear. Jesus, we can put it that way, Jesus paid it all. He's done everything for you. You're free. You have no sin. It's all purged away. See, we just got it. You know? We were like, yes. I was going to say, Presbyterians don't wear it. Not Presbyterians, but I am. You know, Presbyterians, you know, we're not always very good, you know. Praise the hands. Praise God. You know, but if we've got it, you can't help it. Right? Jesus comes to his disciples. He ministers peace to them. And he empowers them here. This is what he does. And only he can do it. He's the only one in the world. Doing that Christ. <laughs> Center of the universe. It's here. This is the basis of confident, joyful service. So Jesus commissions them. He says, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. So he's assuring these apostles that they have all of his authority in their ministrations. But peace comes first. All is well. It has to come first. And if I get that, I'm ready to be commissioned. I'm ready to hear the commands now. I'm ready for the imperatives now. If I don't hear that first part, I can't even understand imperatives. If I don't hear the first part, I'll just turn imperatives into my performance of earning something from God. Trying to earn this favor, trying to earn this peace. So Jesus commissions, he assures them of the authority of their mission. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And he empowers them for gospel service. Verse 22, when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. So here he supplies the Spirit to them. And interesting and strikingly, this is a unique administration of power. He's not yet raised. Pentecost hasn't happened yet. But he's the one, he makes it very clear that he's the one who ministers the Holy Spirit to them. He's the one who provides the Spirit to them. And so he breathes on them. He breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So special anointing, special provision of the Spirit and power. And this always comes, we need to say, always comes in connection with the declaration of the gospel. Always. Always. Interestingly, I think the parallel in the Gospel of Luke here is where it says, um, uh, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. So he breathes, he supplies the Spirit to them, and that supplying of the Spirit is, in fact, its administration of power, whereby their minds are opened to understand the truth. So they're really getting it now. They're really seeing. And it's by the ministration of the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you say, you know, on the Lord's Day, I, you know, on the Lord's Day, I, I feel particularly revived. You ever notice this? 
<laughs> I feel particularly refreshed on the Lord's day. Why is that? You already know the answer. Jesus is really here. He really ministers to his people. And we really are revived by these, to all human appearances, very ordinary means of grace. They're ordinary. But they're extraordinary. Ministered by the power of Christ. They're extraordinary. This the world doesn't get. And frankly, this a lot of the church doesn't get. So the church commonly is going after other things. You know, give me a, give me some give me some excitement. I need, I need, I need, wrap me up somehow here. Come on. Now Andrew was pretty impressive in the beginning of the service, you know, playing that guitar, you know, and, and that's sometimes the way it is. And some churches, you know, we, we gotta get you going, you know. We need to do this stuff. Gotta get you going, just come on in and sit down, take it easy. Just come on in, this way you are, you know. It's all right, you're gonna be okay, you know. You gotta sort of ease you into this. Uh, sadly, I mean, usually no call to worship. It's the living God who calls us to worship Him. What are we thinking? I don't need some crummy guitar player. I mean, you were pretty good today. <laughs> but, you know, what do I need? I need Jesus Christ, and I need the means of grace, and I need them every Lord's Day, and I need a pastor, yes, who has confidence in this. This is what we need. This is what I need. I do not want to be entertained. I do not want to be entertained. I can get entertainment anywhere. And it's usually better than the church can do anyway, right? I, I do not need to be entertained. I need to hear my Savior speak to me. And that only comes served one way, by this word. So you get the points here, you see, very important. <laughs> it's very important. Jesus assures these disciples of his authority in their gospel service. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. Let's be very clear about this. It's Jesus Christ alone who forgives sins. It's Jesus Christ alone who retains sins and pronounces judgment. He's the only one in all the world or universe that does this. So this is all about authority. Here's the authority of gospel preaching now, which we believe. This is the authority of the gospel proclaimed that's being described here. The very authority of Jesus Christ manifested in the preaching of the gospel. The world doesn't get it. A lot of the church, sadly, doesn't get it. This is all about authority. When the gospel is preached, we say again, Jesus Christ speaks. He reveals himself. He grants forgiveness of sins. And so these apostles, when they would preach, they would declare in the preaching of the gospel, to that one who trusts in Christ alone, his sins are forgiven. Tomorrow is amazing. This we preach. This morning we preach it. To that one here who trusts in Christ alone, your sins are forgiven. To that one who rejects Jesus Christ, that one remains in his sins. And the wrath of God rests upon him. It's such a simple message, actually. So simple that a child can understand it. 
the power of his minister and the full of authority of Jesus Christ is operated in the preaching of the gospel. So, to summarize. <laughs> the same way, brothers and sisters, that Jesus Christ ministered to us on as we see it in the account of this inspired passage. The same way that Jesus Christ ministered to his own on that first day of the week, the first Lord's Day in the history of the world. It's a pattern to the end of the age. And it doesn't want us to repent. The same way he ministered there, he ministers to us this morning. And it makes this gathering certainly extraordinary every Lord's Day. He comes, he ministers peace and assurance. He addresses our fears and our misapprehensions. And he empowers us for service. All of us, we go out of this place on the Lord's Day. We go into the week. We want to serve Christ. And as we worship him, he has already strengthened us for this. Now we're going to come to the table, and he continues to, to minister to us when we come to the table. It is a spiritual peace. He nourishes us with his own life when we partake of the bread of God. So he strengthens us for service. So what can we say about worship now, then? Corporate worship. What can we say about corporate worship? Corporate worship, gathering saints, is more transformative than any other activity we will ever do in our whole life. It's more transformative than any activity in which you or I will ever engage. Why? Our king makes it so. Jesus makes it so. You see it with eyes of faith. So you can have a very humble gathering. Two or three gathered together in Jesus' name. It'll be a very, it will always appear, I think, humble and red ordinary. But it's extraordinary. So, anybody have any fears? I want us for a show of hands. Anybody have any doubts? Any fear? Fear about the future? Any confusion? Only Jesus can address those things. And he does. He does it here. He's still here as we worship him. So we say our sanctification, our spiritual growth is advanced more in corporate worship than in any other activity in which we'll ever, take, we'll ever engage. So we really do, we really do go out different than we can. We really do. Now it's been well said, you know, that sanctification, process of sanctification is like watching the grass grow, right? It's, it's very slow. It's incremental. But we have this encouragement that it's certain. You worship Jesus Christ today. On the authority of the word of God, I can say you've been changed. Not this is a physical thing, right? It's a spiritual thing. It's a spiritual change. It is incremental, but it's certain. And it's here that Jesus meets us and empowers us for service. So I'm, I'm so thankful today we're going to come to the Lord's table and 
you have the whole the whole um, uh, the whole package <laughs> of what your Savior, what our Savior uses to strengthen us today. So praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for our Savior. We thank you that Jesus is Lord, that he's exalted to the right hand of God. So continue to strengthen us and encourage us today. How we thank you for this day in which you so uniquely work and you change us from one degree of glory to another. We thank you for it. We give all the glory to our Savior. We pray in his name. Amen. shedding of his blood, ours might be spared. And so we come confessing our sin. We come, as Isaiah did, aware of our sinfulness, our weakness, our iniquity. But we also come rejoicing, knowing that he has done it, that there's nothing that we can do to earn his favor, nothing we can do to shift his hand or anything like that, that Christ has done it. He's the one that took on human flesh so he could do these things. <laughs> he is the God-man. He took on flesh so he could feel the pain that we deserve. He took on flesh to do what the first Adam failed to do. And by nature of his divine nature, he's able to give those benefits to us <laughs> people at all times and in all ages. And... We're reminded of our Lord's words on the night he was betrayed. He took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body broken for you. And the same way he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant poured out for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So if you're not a believer, if you haven't professed faith in Christ and been baptized and a member of a church, we ask you that you don't come, that um, that you sit and contemplate your sin and the gospel and the work of Christ. Um, because this is, like we talked about last week, we don't want dead ceremonialism. We don't want to just go through the motions. We want real, genuine faith in the risen Lord. But if you are a believer, this is for you. As we've said several times, this is not a meal for the strong. It's not a feast for those that have it all together. It's for those that are weak, that see their great need, and um, come running to the Savior. So we'll come, we'll form a line, take the elements back to your seat. And I'm reminded this morning of why we do this. You know, sometimes in churches, 
you go and you have it at your own whenever you're ready. And it might be weird. Why do we all come and take it together? It's to be reminded that we're not only united to our Savior by faith, but we're united to one another. That this is a, a fellowship meal, not, not only communion with God, but communion with one another. That when we come together, that's why we come together. It's not just about being in our rooms by ourselves, but we come together because we're assured together that we are the body of Christ, that Christ meets with us. And it's a beautiful thing. So come whenever you're ready. Grab the elements back to your seat and we'll partake together. Let's pray real quick. Lord, we thank you for this means of grace that you've given us. That it's more than a memory. It is, it is a past, present, and future looking to you. In the past, looking to your death, seeing what you've accomplished on the cross. It is a now present proclamation of what you have done to the world, to each other, to ourselves. And it's a future looking for our great rest, our eternal Sabbath in heaven that Christ alone has earned. That we couldn't earn it. He has earned it. He has done everything that we could not live the perfect life in accordance to the law of God at every point. And also suffered the punishment and death that sinners deserve, so that we could be made right with you. And so we come proclaiming and looking forward to that day, the marriage supper of the Lamb, where there'll be no more tears, no more mourning, no more crying, but there will be peace, unending, eternal and everlasting life, and true eternal hope that Satan cannot destroy, that our sin cannot reach, that we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for us, and we look forward to that this morning. Lord, would you minister to our hearts by faith this morning, and as we take these common elements, would you bless this supper, and would it mature us in our faith, would it encourage us, may we have joy this morning knowing that you have done it all, and you've forgiven us, Lord. All these things in your son's name. Come.
were pilgrims on this journey, right? Just like the Israelites through the desert, they were sustained by what? Miraculously ordinary bread from heaven. And that's what we're sustained with. So we remember that this bread points us to Christ, the bread from heaven that sustains us. So we take, we eat, we remember, and we believe that Christ's body was broken for the forgiveness of all of our sins. And in the same way, we take this cup of wine and we're reminded that Christ's perfect spotless blood was spilled so that our sin, our iniquity, might be cleansed and covered. So we take, we drink, we remember, and we believe that Christ's blood was spilt for the forgiveness of all of our sins. Amen. If you want to stand now, we'll respond um, to this great act of God. Um, We'll sing together hymn 61, Great is Thy Faithfulness.
now to our tithes and offerings where we're reminded of all God's faithfulness to us in giving us life and breath and everything, and even financially providing for us. And so during this time, as an act of worship, we give a portion of what God has given us back to him, not because he needs it, not because God is poor and needs our money, but because he's commanded us to do it. And it's really an act of worship, adoration to God for what he has done, not to earn anything, but out of gratitude for all that he's graciously given us. So let's pray for our offerings. Lord, we thank you for all that you've, your hand has provided for us, Lord. We are immensely blessed. We have so much to be thankful for. Lord, we give now a portion of what you've given us back to you. Not to earn your favor, because that cannot be earned, but to thank you and to worship you for all that you have given us, Lord. Would you take these humble offerings and would you bless them and use them for the work of your gospel to the ends of the earth this morning? We pray all these things in your son's name. Please sing with me hymn number 13, the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son. Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all through the days of this week. Go and serve our Christ and glorify Him. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Bruce. Just a quick reminder. We'll, um, I think the food will be here. Should be on the way. So um, use the restroom and talk, and we'll meet just down the hall. So.